Hello, good morning from inside my bed. It's 6.56 a.m. on Monday, April. It's the first Monday of April. And you're listening to Audio Dispatch 3 from Quarantine. We are formally starting the fourth week of quarantine in New York. My kids are in the room right next door singing a song to each other. I don't usually go in there until about 7.30 to change their diapers. For as formless or shapeless as time seems to be right now, it is also the first thing that's on my mind when I wake up in the morning. Not in the context of what do I have to do today and where's the time going, but more like how deep into this are we, how much deeper will we get, and so on and so forth. Around the middle point of week number one, I instituted a rule that I could not engage in more than one scroll through the news because as Abie put it, which I think was really helpful for me, given the privilege of the circumstance which I am in, which is ability to see silver lining of quarantine and self-examine during quarantine. But I asked him a question based on something I'd read, and he looked at me and said, everything you're reading is already a step behind what you've experienced. I'm not participating in more news than a single scroll, because after a certain point, the news starts spiraling around my head. I'm not even absorbing it anymore. I don't even actually know what I'm reading. My mind is just like, you know, catching these staggering statistics and the death toll and the unemployment rate and... I don't even see what it says around those words. I just know that it seems bad. And and in the wake of catastrophe, it seems so easy to just worry. But the thing I keep coming back to, and this is wholly a function of the way I am and the experience that I am having, is that worrying isn't productive. And we don't necessarily have to be productive in the way that it seems like we're being given permission to not be productive. I'm not asking you to write a novel or clean your you know, pantry or color coordinate the beans that are in there. But what I'm saying is that a lot of us, and definitely I know I can channel the worry to action, right? And contribute in whatever little ways are physically available to me or you, be it a phone call to a person you love because you're worrying so much about them, or a Zoom Seder with your family on Passover because it's the first time you're going to be alone to power through like 300 Hebrew pages of the story of Jewish Exodus. If you have the financial means, it's as straightforward as putting money in good places. If you're lonely and need your friends, then call them and ask for a conversation. I guess what I'm getting at is that as far as history goes and the way that it regurgitates itself, depression brings on enlightenment, brings back on depression, brings back on enlightenment, brings back on depression, brings on enlightenment, and on and on. Bear markets turn to bull markets, turn to bear markets, back to bull markets, and onward. The less productive thing to do is to absorb this information and just freeze inside of the purgatory we're in right now between catastrophe and, frankly, imminent depression, which I guess is just my choppy, haphazard way 
of paraphrasing and botching the words of Viktor Frankl. I mean, we've got to find meaning. We've got to find meaning right now, no matter who we are. So that's one thing I woke up thinking about. The other thing definitely is that we're two days away from the beginning of Passover. I have two brothers who live in a two-bedroom apartment in the East Village who I don't even think know how to fry an egg. And uh, my mom is bullish about the fact that we are not getting together this year for Passover. And if I'm being really honest, I'm so proud of how seriously she's taking this. I don't think I ever realized this, but when I was growing up, my mom never really took a stand or she never took a stand and provided reason. I was never really clear on why she wanted what she wanted or like frankly, even more broadly what she wanted. And in the wake of this pandemic, I've seen such a clear directives and opinion and very thought out analyses of those directives and opinions coming from her. And it's making me think clearer. And further, that is making me think that in order to give my kids what I want them to have, which is confidence and curiosity, I can't just ram it down their throats. I have to live it. In a note that I wrote on my 30th birthday when I was away in December, oh, I'm sorry, I turned 31. I guess I was trying to Benjamin Button for a second just there. But in that note, I wrote out that one of the greatest lessons of motherhood and coming into my 30s has been that kids won't save you, but they will motivate, inspire, push you to save yourself. And I'm seeing just how true that is in the ways in which my mom has been such an elegant survivor through this period. It's pushing me to want to survive. So it looks like we're going to be having our Passover Seder on Zoom. My parents uptown, my two brothers in the East Village, and my husband and I in Soho. My parents live uptown with my youngest brother. So the seven of us will convene on Zoom, which is kind of... It seems counterintuitive because um, on Passover, you're not supposed to use any electronic devices. It's an observed day like the Sabbath. But I think at a certain point, you kind of just have to make negotiations, right? If we would have gotten in a car to be uptown because being together is more important than being apart physically, then on this holiday, being bound together electronically is more important than not using the devices at all not really sure what my brothers are gonna eat um but i have volunteered to cook for them and drop it off selfishly i could really use the 10 block walk but then again i i i really don't want to contribute to the unflattening of this curve So if I need to stay inside this week, then I need to stay inside. Maybe I should force them to do a FaceTime conversation where we cook the meal together and I show them how to cook it. I'll send them a list of the ingredients that I'm planning to use to make the meal on FaceTime on Wednesday. I'll I'll cook with them. I'll show them what to do. See, that feels much more productive to me than just worrying. 
My dad has also been coming up a lot during this quarantine because I hear myself regurgitating all of these zingers that he used to share with me. And the one that just came up was, if there's a will, there's a way. And my stupid response always used to be, so you think I can run to Japan in under 20 seconds? Because I was one of those annoying kids, obviously. But anyway, yeah, if there's a will, there's a way. I think if there's a will, there's a way is reflective of the experience of trying to live meaningfully, of, of recognizing that without our cautious optimism, and I, I'm really not talking about reckless optimism, I'm not talking about idealism, I'm not talking about you know, imagining a day running through the forest with glitter farting out of your ass. Although if you wanna do that, you absolutely should, so long as it does not infringe upon your realistic recognition and understanding of the moment that we're in right now. So maybe I got that from my dad. Maybe that's the principle and moral that my dad lived out as I was growing up that I've adopted, that has been indoctrinated in me without my even realizing is, you know, he's lived so many lives. He's an immigrant, business ups, terrible, tremendous, you know, brought to to his knees, business downs, then business back ups, then cancer and a remission. And I guess through all of that, the thing he never taught me but showed me is that without the will to live, there is no way. And so he always chose the will and found a way. All right. It appears now that it is 7.17 a.m. I've got about 10 minutes before I go get my kids out of their crib. I've relocated from my bed to the bathroom where we've had these conversations twice before. And I'm either going to cut my toenails or brush my teeth, but I don't know if I have time for both. So I'm going to sign off by saying that I hope you're doing well. And I really mean that. By the time of this publication, it is going to be the end of week four in quarantine, at least in New York and the broader Americas. And I hope it finds your spirits in a tolerable place. That's a better word than good. Just tolerable, because when you can tolerate something, you can also look at it critically and change what needs to be changed, so on and so forth. My advice to you for right now, if you are not in a tolerable place, is to try and chop up the things that you are going to do today by micro moment. So for example, if it is 7.15 a.m. and you have 10 minutes until you have to go into your kid's room and change their diapers, and with that 10 minutes are negotiating whether you should cut your toenails or brush your teeth, pick one and just commit to doing that thing. And then after you finish it, give yourself a pat on the back and be like, I fucking did what I said I was going to do. And then go do the next thing and focus only on doing that thing. And don't think about anything else until you're done. And then say, I fucking did it and give yourself a pat on the back and then figure out what you need to do next. Maybe that's make a coffee. So you go into that kitchen and you stir that hot water with those beans and you mix, mix, mix. And then you taste that thing and say, damn, this is good. I did a fucking good job. And then you pat yourself on the back and you do the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. And then at the end of the day, you look up and you don't say, what the hell did I do today? You say, I did everything I needed to do to get through this day. 
And then you pat yourself on the back and you say, I'm going to do that again tomorrow. You know what? The other thing you can do is just get fully dressed and lie inside of your bathtub. I did that last Sunday night and it felt kind of good. I don't have words yet to explain why, but I'm sure they're going to come to me. If you're Jewish, I wish you a very happy Passover. If you're not, happy Easter. If neither of those holidays appeal to you, then I just wish you a fucking happy day. Signing off, your pal, Leandra.